25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Here we go. Hour number two of the show. Off and running with you. What's up? I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Say it with me. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Your local Farm Bureau insurance agents are your hometown heroes in all 82 counties in the entire state of Mississippi. Thanks for tuning in. What in the world are we going to get into this hour, huh? Connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. I have a note or two that I would like to pass along about National Burger Day. And since today is day number one of our countdown of 100 teams in 100 days here on the show, college football, Starting today, team number 100, that team was Vanderbilt. I'm going by the football FPI, the football power index at ESPN. Team number 100 is Vanderbilt. I got a few details I want to pass along, especially for Ole Miss fans listening, because you got to play them this year. First, though, let's go hear another voice on the Divini Equipment phone line. Divini Equipment, Madison and in Jackson. You are a Kubota dealer. They have big deals going on for about Two, three more days going up through the 31st to end of the weekend. A few more days to take advantage of these huge sales they've had on Kubota and other uh, mowers and equipment at uh, Divinity. So y'all go see them this weekend. 995-1059. That's a number to the Divinity phone. 995-1059. What's up, Chris? What's up, man? I know I'm driving fever crazy because I called you back. but It's all right. It is what it is. When you said Vanderbilt, I remember the other day you were talking about there was a lot of people saying that the, the cowbells are annoying and everything. Well, anybody in the SEC that would say that the cowbells were annoying have never sat in a baseball stadium with the stupid bandy whistlers. Right. That right. is a fact. Yes, no doubt. And the other thing is is that the next time that Coach O calls, call him Coach O'Hawk and see what he says. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, that was fun. Yeah, Chris, look, the Whistlers are they are obnoxious, and it's not a tradition. Okay, so here's what will happen, Chris, and, and, and you know this, I, so I'm saying it as I sort of preach to the choir to make the point I want to make, but you know what the response is a lot of times from a Vandy person. And it is a lot of times from an Ole Miss person, too, because they don't like state, is you go, man, the Vandy Whistlers are obnoxious, selfish. They ruin it for people. They should not be allowed to do that. They ought to be run out of the stadium. Well, 
a lot of people will respond and go, yeah, but cowbells. Ole Miss fans a lot of times will go, yeah, well, cowbells are fine. They're obnoxious and loud. Okay. Vandy goes, well, you got cowbells. I think they're obnoxious. I don't like that sound. You, you shouldn't have that. But there are some obvious differences. But the two differences that matter in that particular point when it comes up, the two that matter are, number one, it is not two individuals who ring cowbells at every game. It's 20,000. It's 30,000. It's 40,000. And number two, at Vanderbilt, two guys whistling and driving everybody nuts, including television coverage, is not a tradition. It does not go back decades. It started about five years ago. Whereas at Mississippi State, the cowbell thing goes all the way back to kind of the existence, sort of. Like, what, 100 well, years ago? Well, how about it's, it's been a long time. Well, how about this? This is what I always tell people when they say something like that. The only reason why Ole Miss people hate the cowbells because they're the, they're it happened against them. The reason why we brought the cowbell in. Yeah, you and know the second involved. thing is it was a rivalry that, thing also. Yeah. Right, and the second thing is is that Vandy people hate the Vandy whistlers. That's I exactly can't right. Stress that enough. I mean, the state fans endear the cowbell. It's all of us that love cowbells, and it's. The, the, the Vandy people hate them people. They've tried to drive them out of their stadium. Yeah, they're selfish. They're, they're... And, I, and I heard I heard, I heard heard earlier this year when they were actually playing that they were trying to, they were trying to, the people were trying to buy their t- season tickets and invoke them from coming to the games because they were tired of it. Yeah, they are tired of it. It's two guys who are basically, I don't know how else to say it, other than they're just turds. Okay, and listen, Chris, uh, it's not cute. You know, I'm not going to be doing a story on them. Nobody else is going to do a story on them because what they're after is attention. They're selfish. They don't really care what anybody else thinks. Several years ago, Chris, uh, when I was doing another radio show, we were broadcasting from the SEC baseball tournament in Hoover. And this was a year where they were especially obnoxious. A, and we caught wind of the story, and we actually contacted the person and talked to a woman who was there as a fan of Ole Miss, she was an Ole Miss fan. She was there and she happened to be sitting close to this guy and he was obnoxious. She had never experienced it before. Didn't know there was a history. And so at one point, I think the story went that he was in a seat in front of her. He stepped out of his seat to like walk up the aisle, maybe go to the concession stand or something. And when he did, she stood up just to basically say politely to him, Hey, my name is so-and-so. And, you know, we bought tickets to be here. And can you please move somewhere else? And if you have a, if that is your assigned seat on your ticket, then we will move is basically the story we got. And as soon as she, this woman confronted him, he threw his arms up. The one with the mustache, he threw his arms up, started acting like an idiot, you know, throwing a fit, trying to make a scene, acting as though she stepped on his foot. He is an he is a born again idiot. Okay. And that's why yeah. they're doing it. And that's why Vanderbilt fans are do, trying to figure out a way without making a big scene of it to get rid of them. Yeah. Well, I say that the next time they come to state, we put Chicken Hawk beside one of them. And then we put the other guy, the, the leg guy from Omaha, beside the other one and just let them talk to them the whole day. <laughs> because wasn't it a state well, fan? 
Wasn't it a state? Wasn't it a state fan that tried to um, that tried to knock him out and got in trouble for it? Probably, and it won't be the last time it happens, unfortunately, because that kind of stuff happens, you know. But here's what you could do, also, Chris, is like you say, you could figure out what seat they're going to be sitting in, what seat is on their ticket, and purposefully on either side, sell the ticket to a, a big old boy. I mean, to the point where it's hard for him to even get in the seat. <laughs> but I don't know if he could do that either. Yeah. Right. Hey, I'll tell you this. One more. Put him beside two state Put him beside two state fans that's got cowbells, and every time he starts, just start ringing the cowbells in his ear. Last year, last year at Hoover at the SEC baseball tournament, Chris, he it was a Vanderbilt game, and this was a night game. The stands were really full. There were a lot of people there. He was sitting in a seat in the first probably eight or ten rows of the stadium, kind of behind home plate, like premium seats, right? My dad and I right. were sitting in some of the general admission free seating right up behind it in the second level. Well, at some point, security came down there, asked to talk to him and all. We all start watching. The whole stadium's watching it thinking, oh, they're they're gonna they're gonna take him out of here. So what's going on? They they get they make him get up, okay. We thought he's having to leave the stadium. People started cheering. The whole crowd start cheering because they think <laughs> they're making him leave. But what it was is he was sitting in a seat that was not his, okay, on his ticket. He and all they did is they made him get up and move to where his seats were. And so when he sat back down, yeah. everybody was like, oh. And it, it was so funny to see like an entire stadium. And that night, there were probably 6,000 people there in the stadium, you know. And it's interesting to see them all react to that guy that way. Yeah, I, I heard that he tries, that they try to sit close to the TV mic. Well, what they try to do. And that's the reason why they were moving him also, too. But. I understand, and I'm going to get off here and let somebody else call. Y'all have a great day. See ya. See ya. Thanks for the call, Chris. Yep. Yeah, Vanderbilt is our team on the countdown today. 100 teams in 100 days leading up to the start of the college football season. It starts today, and team number 100 is Vandy, the Commodores. I did this in hour number one, but uh, real quick, before I go to the next caller here, I'm going to see if you can do it, too. Can you name... The Vanderbilt fight song, the name of it. It's actually a pretty doggone good fight song, especially compared to some of the others. I like it. It's too bad the team doesn't score more often. All right. Divinity Equipment phone line. Um, we heard from Coach O earlier, and we've heard from Chris twice. Now we got Chicken Hawk on the phone. What's up, Hawk? Hey, man, Hell State. Look at him. One of my uh, <laughs> Hawkamaniacs called me and said that uh, he wanted me to uh, speak to the children up there at the school. No, no, I, I just said I was surprised. I was surprised that Coach O, when he called earlier, didn't say well, you know, those cheering up north. You know, you know, I don't know, me and Coach Joe, when we down there in the Bayou fishing and stuff in the in the in the payroll. I don't know if uh, me and him ever even. I don't even know if he's ever heard me talk about them children. He knows I call them the school up north. You know, cause 
Everybody knows that's what I do pretty regular. Every chance I get. Everybody not, knows that. That's right. Yeah, everybody, everybody, everybody knows. Hey, man, it's just like me. I'm east, west, north, south, in, out, roundabout, up, down, all around, throw down, spin around, get out like that world famous James Brown. Come out, wow, I feel good. And then the beat goes on. <laughs> but listen to me. Here's the deal right here, brother. Let me speak to the children, okay? Because mm-hmm. this, this is a new lesson. This is a new lesson for them sheltered children and squirrels. You know, this is for the children and squirrels. Mm-hmm. Now, children, we're going to go on past forest, F-O-R-E-S-T. We're going to go. This is because of y'all's friend squirrel. We're going to show y'all how to spell Lou Bell, my wife, my beautiful wife's name. It is a capital L with a small case. And if you don't know what a small case is yet, then go back to the first grade and get your uh, primer book. And it's a small U, capital L, small U, capital B, and the small E, L, L, E. That spells Lou Fail. That is my wife's name, squirrel, and you children at the school up north. And once you get all of these lessons learned, then you can graduate when you can say hashtag Hell State, I love you, Chicken Hawk. <laughs> now, have a wonderful day, and you know that I love y'all, you and the bees, and can I say, see you. Hawk, out. <clears throat> That's his second call, I mean his first call on uh, on today's show. Hey, Beaver, I did the countdown thing earlier. Did you like the... I mean, and, and I'm not at all fishing for a compliment. If you don't like it, just shoot me straight on this. Uh, give The little sounder thing that I put together at the beginning of it had the final countdown on it and all that. Oh, yeah. Look, Matt, okay. anytime you can work that little tune, that <laughs> I'm for it. It doesn't matter where it is. doesn't matter where it is. Um, so that's the beginning of this sound is, um, you know, the, the final countdown song. And then it's four words uh, taken from four different movies, characters in four different movies. 100, and then teams, and then another, the word 100 from a different movie. And then, wait a minute, no, it's three, because I don't know where days came from. That's one I had left over somewhere, but... But they're, they're movie clips, all right? So the first time you hear this guy say 100... That's from the movie Gladiator. When you hear the word teams, that is Morgan Freeman's voice as he was the narrator in Shawshank Redemption. And then the second time you hear 100, that is um, Brad Pitt from the movie where he was the, you know, the allied soldier and they were killing the Nazis. What's the name of that movie? Um Oh, we can't say it on this. Okay, so the the title of the movie actually has a uh, one of those banned words in it. So, but you you get what I'm saying. Brad Pitt's character from that movie. So here it is. It's the final One hundred teams. One hundred days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got a countdown in there from the show Twenty Four. Beaver, you remember that show Twenty Four, right? Oh, yeah. Jack Bauer. Jack Bauer. I would have never remembered that. But, yes, I got, the first year that show came out was like 2001. Or it was really 
long time ago, but gosh, it was good. What's the guy's name? Um, the actor, the blonde-headed guy? Kiefer Sutherland. That's it. Kiefer Sutherland. Easy for me to say. <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland. <clears throat> that was a great show. Okay, so we're counting down. Today is the first day of the countdown. 100 teams in 100 days leading up to the start of the college football season. Vanderbilt, team number 100. I am using the ESPN Football Power Index to, you know, as a ranking. They are number 100 on that list. Uh, but five things, according to Athlon, that you need to know about Vanderbilt this year. You get an entirely new coaching staff, really, for the most part, behind Derek Mason. So he kept his job, but he fired the offensive-defensive coordinators on offense at Vandy. It's Todd Fitch taking over. Uh, 14 years of experience as an OC, most recently at Louisiana Tech. And they were a good offense at La Tech. And now Vandy plays La Tech this year. So he's a Skip Holtz protege. And they hired defensive coordinator Ted Roof. Yeah. It led Appalachian State to a number 21 ranking in scoring defense last year. So uh, there's some familiarity there. You're going to have a new quarterback. Graduate transfer Riley Neal underwhelmed last year. Uh, Deuce Wallace had a really hard time. Um, Wallace left the program. Another guy transferred to USC. Neil trying to go into pro football. So um, they have two scholarship quarterbacks coming back, a kid named Seals. He was a, you know, uh, the nation's 17th ranked pro-style quarterback, Mr. Football in Texas in 2019. Uh, So there you go. Um, they are replacing key playmakers. They are retooling their entire offensive line. And so just a few things about Vanderbilt you need to know. They they You win three games. You fire the coaching staff, clean out, redo there. You're redoing at quarterback. You bring in a bunch of transfers. It's just going to be a whole new Vanderbilt team. We don't know a whole lot about what it will be because, you know, they're all new outside of head coach. There ain't going to be a whole lot that looks the same, that's for sure. Now, just for your own curiosity, you go, well, Matt, okay, so you're using the Football Power Index as your list. One through 100, they got them ranked. Right, they do. That's at ESPN. Number one on this list for 2020 is Clemson. Number two is Ohio State. Number three is Alabama. I'm going ahead and telling you that because you'll forget it by the time we get down there uh, to that countdown in September. But, If you wonder where people are on this list, on the Football Power Index for 2020, ESPN's, you know, analytics-driven numbers, formula, whatever, Vanderbilt is 100, and next to last in the SEC, they have Mississippi State on the power index at number 72. A bunch of spots behind Arkansas at 59. Missouri, 55. We're moving up the list. South Carolina, 39. Ole Miss, 38. Tennessee, 36. Kentucky, 33. And then we get into the top 15. Texas A&M is at 15 on the list. Florida at 12. Auburn, 9. LSU, 6. Georgia, 5. And Alabama, number three overall on the power index, number 
are tops in the SEC. But how about that? How does that make you feel? Let's see. Does it do a projected win and loss on here? Yeah, it does. All right. So it projects your wins and losses. Today's team, Vanderbilt at number 100, they project them to go, why would they project them there? Three and nine? Yeah, they got them at three and nine. If you do the decimal points, they have Vandy at three and nine. They have Mississippi State at five and seven. They have Arkansas going five and seven. Missouri dead even at six and six. Same thing for South Carolina. Same thing for Ole Miss. All those three teams, six and six. Let's see, they have Tennessee at six and six. Kentucky at seven and five. A&M going nine and three. Florida going 10 and two. Did I have that right? Yeah. I got Florida as a 10-win team. But they have Auburn as a nine-win team, but have Auburn ahead of Florida in the FBI. 10 wins for LSU, 10 for Georgia, and 11 wins for Alabama. Again, it's just a ranking. It's a numbers analytical computer deal. Football Power Index. Rolling along with you here, hour number two of the show today on this Thursday. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Still a ways to go, so stick around. on the show let's see if we can get an update from beaver always sunny in Jackson (laughs) Um, any update on the coronavirus testing stuff we talked about yesterday oh no it's just same as it was Uh, well Hey, you don't have antibodies, but don't trust this test. Yeah. That's basically what it, what what it, it was. said to me. I got you. Most important thing, you're feeling okay, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, other than, you know, not being able to say I'm invincible. Right. Sure. But that's just a pride thing, I guess. You know, of all the things that we have gotten during the pandemic uh, coronavirus shutdown... I just feel like one thing we deserve is an episode of It's Always Sunny where they are in quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you agree? Well, we've already had that. Oh, did we? They were quarantined in the bar. It was was the episode when they were going to go to the... Oh, what was it? I forget what they were going to, but they were going to perform Motown Philly from Boys to Men. Right, (laughs) right. Which is so awkward sitting there. Look, Beaver, I have, I'm one of these people that watching people sing and perform and stuff is, it's awkward for me when it's not great. 
You know, like I'm sitting in church and I got the best attitude, but somebody, my whole life I've been this way. Somebody's singing a solo and it's not good. It's really, it makes me uncomfortable. And that scene where they're all sitting there singing that song, it's like, it's not bad, but it's not great. <laughs> yeah, I remember the one. I, what was it that they, uh, something happened. They wound up being quarantined. Anyway, okay, so no update there. Hey, um, how about this? Beaver, a 103-year-old woman in Massachusetts beat the coronavirus. Beat it. She's recovered. Three weeks ago, 103-year-old Jenny Stina was one of the first to test positive for coronavirus in her Wilbraham nursing home. Things weren't looking good as her condition, uh, condition took a turn for the worse. Uh, via USA Today, she displayed her spirit, that spirit, as a 103-year-old woman recently survived a bout with coronavirus. One of the first to test positive in her nursing home. Uh, her family member said they called to say what they thought were their final goodbyes. She thanked her grandmother, um, Jenny, for everything she had done for her. This Okay, in any way, she has now fully recovered. And a video surfaced. I think TMZ Sports is the one who bought the video and now has displayed it. 103-year-old Jenny Stena celebrated her, you know, full recovery from coronavirus by asking for a Bud Light in the hospital. Yeah, that was what she wanted. She wanted to have a Bud Light. <laughs> and the video shows her just kind of turning it up. There it is right there. I'm watching it. That's what she wanted. And it's apropos. Today is National Burger Day. Most people have a lot, a lot of people. I say most. A lot of people drink beer with burgers. Is that your go-to beaver with burger when you eat a burger? What's that? What's your go-to beverage when you eat a burger? Oh, I, if I'm going to go out, I'm probably a sweet tea. Sweet tea? Yeah, I'm a water man. We're boring. Jason was accusing us of being, like, boring and no fun and not interesting because we hate snakes. We want them all dead and because you hate sharks. And now we've told him that we just want sweet tea and water. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're backing up what he thinks of us. I did find this, Beaver. You may find it interesting here. Um, best... Speaking of burgers, best concession food at sporting events. I found one place, uh, Cleveland.com, the writers at Cleveland.com. Since they all covered the Cleveland Indians at Progressive Field, which, by the way, they have great crowds for Cleveland Indians games, have for 20, 25 years, all the way into the 90s. Um, but they all cover, so they've all had concession stuff from time to time. And they got together and they put this list together of ranking the concession foods if you go to a Cleveland Indians game. 
And the number one thing was a burger. It is called the, the Wisconsin burger. You can get it at the brew kettle stand in section 160 at Progressive Field in Cleveland. The price is $13. It comes with chips. You can add peppers and onions for $1.50. Somebody, the guy who wrote about it, they described it as a German flavor. It said really good German flavor. The patty is made from brats. It has kraut and mustard on it, and it's served on a pretzel bun. I mean, so they're saying this is a burger. It's called a Wisconsin burger. Okay, but it's the meat's made out of brats. It's got kraut on it <laughs> on a pretzel bun. There it is, though. I'm looking at it. Boy, it looks good. Uh, you know, how do you eat something like that? It's way too big to get your mouth around it. So anyway, that the number one concession food at a Cleveland Indians game is going to be a burger. What about the NFL? Arizona Cardinals, University of Phoenix Stadium, number one concession, pizza box nachos. What is that? Pizza box nachos. Does the nachos come in a pizza box? <laughs> Got to be. Uh, in the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. Well, now it's Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You know, they, they're the ones that have all the cheap food in there, including Chick-fil-A. But everything's like super, super inexpensive. Yeah, they say that the best menu items, if you go to an Atlanta Falcons game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, is anything what's called the fan-first menu. A lot of colleges followed their model, including Mississippi State. If you remember, you're a state fan. You went to the games last year. Like pizza and drinks and everything's just dirt cheap. It's one of the things that you're seeing everywhere to try to add to the fan experience to make sure you come to the games as opposed to stay at home and watch. The first fan menu at Atlanta Falcons games features $3 pizza, $5 burgers, $2 hot dogs. How about that? If you go to M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore for the Baltimore Ravens, the number one item is the chicken tenders basket. Oh, that's very TJI Friday of them, isn't it? Number one item at New Era Field in Buffalo for the Buffalo Bills. Oh, I don't know. It says anything from the Tim Hortons menu. Skip. Don't give me a menu. Give me an item. I mean, come on. If you go to Bank of America Stadium in Carolina where the Panthers play, by the way, if you've never been there, great stadium. I'm not telling you what to do, and I know it's a rival. If you're a Saints fan, you don't like them. But if you've never been to that stadium where the Panthers play in Charlotte, go. Great stadium. And it's a great city. I love Charlotte. Every time I've ever been to Charlotte, I come away going, man, that is the cleanest city I have ever seen. It is spotless all the time, at least when I went. You go to a Carolina Panthers game, the number one menu item, barbecue pulled pork nachos. Bring it. Chicago Bears, Soldier Field, the number one item. Midway Monster is what it's called. Midway Monster. Corned beef, hot dog, onions, bacon, and cheese on top. Gracious, there's a picture of it. 
Good grief. Cincinnati Bengals, number one menu item at their concession stands. Gold Star Chili Cheese Dogs is what it sounds like. Let's see here. Dallas Cowboys, AT&T Stadium. The Texas Torta. What is that? The Texas Torta, a leviathan of a Mexican sandwich with carnitas. What is that? Barbacoa. What is that? And chicken. Along with deep fried jalapenos wrapped in bacon. They put a joke in here. They said it's so big when Tony Romo tried to eat it, he broke his collarbone. <laughs> Man, you get a thumbs up for the uh, for the joke there. Lots of barbecue in here. How about this one? If you go to uh, Wisconsin, Lambeau Field. Green Bay Packers. Go to. I've never been to a Packers game. Man, I would love to go see Lambeau Field at least one time. They say the number one item at Lambeau Field for fans, the horse collar kielbasa. <laughs> the horse collar kielbasa. Jug handle shaped 22-inch grilled kielbasa called the horse collar. I love it. Ooh, you can get brisket at NRG Stadium in Houston. Ole Miss fans, you're going to go there and play Baylor in 100 days. You can get you some brisket at the concession stand. Uh, I do have a sports uh, nugget I want to throw at you, you football fans. You're going to want to eat that up. That's coming up next here on the show, and we'll talk to Gator Greg on the phone. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Back on the show. What was the list we came up with earlier? That was a great question, by the way. And I, I know I kind of skipped through that about the co- if if the talent is equal, which coaches, who's your top five uh, SEC coaches that you want coaching those guys? I have to go back and look. I'm getting it pulled up right now. I want to give credit to the right texture on the country, please, and text line. I thought it was a great question. Anyway, it was just simply, hey, talent equal. If you had equal talent, who are the five X's and O's coaches? And I went head coaches. I thought that's what we were talking about. Five X's and O's coaches you want. And I think the group we came up with was, uh, we came up with Saban, Mullen, Kiffin, Leach. And then we put Malzahn in there. Yeah, we did. What do you think about that? The Gators had man's in it. Man, and how about this? What a coincidence. Gator Greg on the Divinity Equipment phone line. What's up, Greg? Mr. White, I just in for you talking a little bit about some of your experiences going some of the game. It looked like uh, I hadn't talked with you maybe since the NFL schedule come out. Looks like you can make, make that uh, Chief Saints game. Mm-hmm. I want to say that's December 20th. If, if, if it's not a bad outbreak of COVID again, that's the 
That's a Sunday, like a 425, a 325 start game. Mm-hmm. You can make that a weekend get to see Patty Mahomes in person. Well, down if we're playing Drew Brees, possibly. Hey, and you know what I'm thinking about, too, uh, Greg, is what is the ticket demand going to be like? You know, we talk about all these things we that are unknown. Well, I've seen now multiple stadiums, including – this, you'll find this interesting. I don't know if you know this, Greg. Yesterday we had the story or your day before, whatever it was, of Iowa State. They went ahead and made the decision. They put the word out there. We're going to proceed with a as if our stadium capacity is only 30,000. We're only going to do season tickets. And Hog Jowl, this is the part I was, I'm not sure if you're aware of. Hog Jowl sent me a bunch of information. He's a big Arkansas fan, Greg. And he said that he tuned in to a 40-minute uh, online Zoom session with Hunter Juracek, the Arkansas AD. Among other things about, they were talking about, you know, athletes coming back, they've all got to wear masks and not when they're working out. There's a lot of details, but he pointed this out. He said, Arkansas, he mentioned it, the the, the AD at Arkansas, 33,000 season tickets sold, but they're not going to take individual tickets. Okay, so working on a reduced capacity. I bring all that up to say, Greg, I absolutely looked at it. I thought, okay, if this stuff trends, we may be able to see Chiefs and Saints in a Superdome and be awesome. But then this question mark came up. What if it's a reduced capacity, even at that time, or especially later in the year, because the virus may come back, if it's a reduced capacity in the dome of, you know, just say 25 or 30,000 people, how hard are those tickets going to be able to get? I would imagine it'd be incredibly tough to get them if you hadn't bought it way ahead of time. Or like you and me, you got to know the right people. So <laughs> we'll 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 take care. Maybe we'll be able to. That might be your Christmas present. Man, you real quick. bring it on! I would love it. But a couple, couple, couple of quick points. What, what about Eli Manning? Maybe the uh, Monday Night Football. Now that he's retired. And you see uh, Peyton do it with the golf uh, the other day with Brady. Yeah. Why not Eli, maybe, if you toss some money at him? And then uh, I'm going to ask you, Mr. Wyatt, because uh, you, you're a broadcaster. Uh, you see CBS uh, recently, they let Dan Fouts go. They brought Charles Davis, who I think you're familiar with, mm-hmm. uh, who's done college football and done uh, NFL for Fox, going to CBS. want to get your take on that. Uh, yeah. We appreciate the job you're doing, Mr. Wyatt. Like I said, it's just who you know on them ticket deals. So we'll see what we can do for you, Homecoming Queen and Barry Liddy. So we appreciate you. Have a good day, Mr. Wyatt. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate the call and, uh, and the kind words. Yeah, you know, surprised to see that Fouts is not going to be on at CBS anymore. You know, there's so many games and so many crews. You just it, Unless it's a thing, Greg, where he didn't want to do it, and he's getting older. He may have just decided, man, I don't want to do this anymore, which that's yeah, fine. But if it's not, I wouldn't be surprised to see him trade places and wind up at Fox. And and look, <clears throat> ESPN's trying their best to fix Monday Night Football. Let's just be honest, y'all. It can't be worse. They could put, you know, two dogs and a ventriloquist in the booth and it'd be better than what they've had. That's just the truth. So it can't be worse. So get a pro, play-by-play guy, bring McDonough back or somebody, put them in there, okay, and then do a team in the booth together like they used to 
And why not consider Dan Fouts? You go, well, but you know, he's not on the cutting edge. Okay, well, you tried cutting edge new guys. How'd that work out for you, ESPN? Huh? So you give me a pro play-by-play guy on Monday Night Football with Dan Fouts and someone else in there. I think now you're talking about something that could work and could fix that for them. Because look, all fans are looking for in a broadcast crew is somebody who slightly enhances the game and just doesn't ruin it. We all know that. We're going to watch the game. How do we know that? Well, when the broadcast crew is bad, we mute the television and still watch the game. We're there for the game. So if you just give me a crew that's just pro and smooth and doesn't screw it up, mission accomplished. But nobody's asking me. Except Gator Greg. He's asking me. <laughs> yeah, um, I was trying to give credit who had the good question. And uh, here it is. Well, there's no um, name on the text. It was a really good question. Your top five SEC coaches at X's and O's, if all the talent was even, who would the big winners be? Uh, who are the big winners? Yeah, I mean, that'd be my list as of right now, knowing what we know and then knowing things that we don't know. Uh, as far as concession food, Slippery When Rhett said, best sporting event food I've ever had was the Dilly Dog at a Texas Rangers game. The Dilly Dog is a best-made dill pickle cored and stuffed with Angus beef jumbo dog that is then battered and deep-fried. <laughs> wow. That sounds great. All of it sounds great. Caleb said, what would be the best food available at Duty Noble? Well, we know what that is. It's stuff being cooked in the outfield. I've told this story. It's not a story. It's just information before. The first time I ever saw a whole bologna was at a Mississippi State baseball game in the outfield when I was in college. I was a student. And we're walking by, and there's this thing looked like a football sitting on a grill cooking. I said, well, what is that? They said, that's a bologna. I said, no, it's not. Bologna is those slices of this ambiguous meat with a red you know, little piece of tape around the outside of it that I put on my sandwich or put in the oven in the summertime when I was five <laughs> and burnt the edges and ate that. That's bologna. That ain't bologna. No, they said that's a whole bologna. And they had an, it was not sliced, a whole bologna on a grill and had it drilled in the middle and stuffed it full of cheese. Uh-huh. Come on with it. Uh, Caleb said, Booger has made Joe Tessitore seem worse than he is. You know, maybe uh, Joe, to me, he's just, it's not my flavor. Joe, just one of those guys that, you know, he's doing the games and trying to make things into things they aren't. Trying to add excitement as opposed to just give me what's there. That's all I'm asking. Watch Al Michaels. Anybody that wants to do broadcast on TV, watch Al Michaels. He never adds any emotion that isn't there. Nothing comes out of his mouth that isn't appropriate and genuine. 
If you don't take that approach, it's not going to last. Uh, this is what I was going to point to you as a, as a SEC fan. You may want to go read this. OnlineAthens.com. There's a lot of great quotes in here from Greg McGarity, the athletics director at Georgia, about what they're doing. Some details are this. Voluntary workouts at Georgia are going to begin for football players on June the 8th, just like everybody else. But they're bringing only football back on campus initially. Even though other sports can come back, they're not bringing them back till later. They're doing football first. That's what pretty much everybody in the SEC is doing next week, bringing football back first. Next week at Georgia, every player and staff member is having a physical June the 3rd, 4th, and the 5th next week. All right. Some of their staff members have already been back in the football offices in small groups and had small meetings. Okay. What he pointed out is that voluntary workouts are only going to be for just an hour or so a day, a really small amount of time. So they're going to have a lot of downtime and they're putting the players through this whole educational process to get them to understand how important it is that they don't go out to like big group parties and hanging out and stuff like they saw on the beach this past week. I thought you'd find it interesting reading that. It's a different angle on all of it, and that's what they're going to do at Georgia. It's at onlineathens.com, written by the Georgia guy over there, Mark Weiser. Okay, see you all tomorrow. For Beaver, I'm Matt. Thanks for tuning in. In the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau, go with the home team. See ya.